first. And uh, we're starting off with the cream of the crop. And uh, it's going to be cream of the crop all the way through. But <laughs> yeah, my wife's the last one. She just said thanks. Uh, a couple quick things. Facebook. Heart of the Matter is now on Facebook. You can pick it up at Heart of the Matters with an S. Heart of the Matters. So type that in and you will discover us. Ask us to be your friend and Wendy will decide if you will be or not. Also on August 20th, a Sunday, 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 uh, p.m. We'll be having a hot dog barbecue open water baptism if you want to receive baptism anybody can baptize you we'll have a, a, a horse trough out there you can get baptized and uh and fellowship and just uh, august wrapping it up we're calling it heart in the uh parking lot so uh, we hope you will join us let's kick it off with a word of prayer Lord, we, uh, we love you and are so grateful to be involved in ministry together, and, and uh, we're all involved in ministry one way or another, people who are watching, people in the audience, people who are supporting the show through their volunteerism tonight, and directors, and um, operators, and internet people, and Warren and I, as we talk, we just love you, and we want to serve you, and we want to reach people. That's our goal, is to reach people with the truth. And so we pray that you'll help us do that tonight in our conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. A number of years ago, I did a short speaking tour and uh, wound up doing a lot of it in the South. And after speaking to a country church in Tennessee, uh, I was fortunate to meet a couple who had driven a number of hours uh, to come out there and be in attendance. Uh, their names, the Puckets, Warren and his wife, Suzanne. And uh, a couple of years passed, and, and w I learned that Warren and Suzanne were led of the Lord to move to Utah. They have family out here, but the job lined up. This, it was I'll let Warren tell it, miraculous. But while here, Warren began hosting his own program, and he's going to tell you about his conversion to the Lord. And uh, it's called Breaking Bread with Warren Puckett. And it's a perfect title because if you know anything about Warren Puckett and his wife, uh, they would break bread with anybody. They are, they are from the South. They have that hospitality that just exudes. It just comes with the way they talk. I, you feel like you're talking to Andy Griffith and, and Aunt B when they talk. They're so kind and, and, and they're conversant. And they just have made friends everywhere. They spark things up wherever they go. So, uh, Breaking Bread can be seen, we're going to show you graphics as, as Warren and I talk, but it can be seen on HOTM.TV, where you're watching the show now if you're watching live. Breaking Bread with Warren Puckett can be looked up on YouTube. And then also www.bbread.tv is the website that you can watch the programs. He's got, he's going to tell us how many he's got in the can now. And uh, coming up, more social media and a number of other things that we're going to be talking about. So before we wrap up this current approach to doing Heart of the Matter, we're inviting several people who are important to the outreach to Mormons. And we're going to begin by hearing the story from Warren Puckett of how he came out of the LDS faith. And then I've specifically asked Warren if he wouldn't mind, if you watch Breaking Bread, he has a lot of, thing, he has a lot of principles. He, he has ideas that come out forcefully and he believes certain things. And I thought I'd ask him, off the cuff, if he would just present 10 of those things 
that came to him by the Spirit with us tonight and that we talk about it. We welcome your calls once we've uh, discussed it. Brothers and sisters, Brother Warren Puckett. Boom. God bless you, brother. I got to correct you, though. Oh, okay. It was De Decatur, Alabama. Oh, it was? It was. Decatur, Alabama. Oh. And uh, pretty close to Tennessee. Is it? But we don't want the Alabama folks. No, to no. They'll lynch you back then. <laughs> <laughs> Their hospitality. No, I'm just no. kidding you. But they're great folks. Yeah. It was awesome to come up. And at that time, we were so excited. You're like a, uh, you're like a star. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we're coming to see a star. Falling star. We, we were excited to, to meet you. Uh, and, uh, yeah. That was, I remember that. Do you remember taking the picture? You know, we took a picture I, with you. And I don't. Had you sign our, you know, autograph our book and all that good stuff. I just remember your earnestness. I remember your, uh, both of your love for the Lord. That's all I really remember. I can remember your face, and you've lost a lot of weight since we were back there. Praise God. I've lost a lot of weight since I've been here. Really? Yeah, like 34 pounds. Well, did you gain story. it out here, or did you, was it the Southern cooking? Uh, or whatever. progressive, you know. Yeah, I get it. Believe me. <laughs> what you lose, I gain. <laughs> Tell us about your life. I would love to, but I want to first, I talked with a friend in uh, Georgia today and told him that I was going to be on tonight. Oh. So him and his wife are watching. So I got to do a little shout out to Ken and Carol. You know, I mentioned your name, brother. So anyway, Ken I just and Carol, Ken and Carol, God bless you. Awesome. But um, anyway, it, you know, I have to start with my parents, you know, because it really started with them. And um, it was in 1965. And, uh, you know, our family was just, uh, it was a wreck. I mean, it was a mess. You know, we, we had, uh, you know, my mom and dad were previously married. So there was, let's see, at that time, there was eight, eight of us. And we're living in a two-bedroom trailer. My dad was a heavy drinker. I, well, I would say he was an alcoholic. Just a, just a terrible, terrible situation. And... His sister, my dad's sister, was LDS. She had joined the church sometime earlier. And she called the missionaries and said, look, you need to go talk to my, my brother and his family and, and you know, teach them the gospel. So <clears throat> 1965, these, this mission, senior missionary couple uh, named Atwoods, came and taught my dad and my mom the gospel and the Mormon gospel. And uh, I've got to tell you, and I believe that to this day, that was, that was a godsend. There was, you know, we, we, we did, like I was talking earlier, you know, we see through a glass darkly. We don't always, we, we think we, everything's black and white. It's not. Mm -hmm. God works through everything and everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the way he does things. It's amazing. He can make beauty out of ashes, and I can relay, to, relay a story about that. But anyway, they accepted the message. They joined the Mormon church. My dad quit drinking. Um, now, I'm not going to say we lived happily ever after because that certainly wasn't the case, but a lot of positive things came out of that. You know, he quit drinking. They started going to church. We never went to church bef before that. Um, life improved. And, and um, their life definitely improved. Their marriage improved. But there again, it wasn't a happily ever after thing. There was issues, just like there always is. Mm -hmm. but, um, but I do want to say that, and I want to make that a, a, an emphasis, because I, lot, I think a lot of times we, 
when we are ministering to Mormons, they can't relate to this black and white mentality that Mormonism is all bad and it's this and it's that. Um, it was a blessing in my parents' life, but I believe there was a purpose behind it. Sure, There was definitely a purpose and a definitely uh, a beginning of, of uh, a journey uh, to take place. And so I just wanted, I wanted to make that clear. So anyway, they joined the church. We got active. I think a year later, my dad was even made a presiding elder, I think is what they called it. It was a, it was a dependent branch. Oh. And it was a, dependent on a ward, so they had a preside. I don't even know if they still have that kind of thing, but he was the presiding elder, which was the equivalent to a branch president. And, um, you know, we had, I went to primary, did all the normal things, you know, that a Mormon does um, as a child. Um, and um, let's see, Seth is, what am I, what I need to do? Talk louder, okay. I saw Seth giving me a signal, but anyway. He tells me to be quiet, he told you to talk louder. <laughs> so anyway, um, we just did, you know, just did the same things, raised up in the church, you know, and like so many, we did, we did the Mormon thing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I can look back and I can see a lot of, a lot of good things and, uh, you know, and, and some bad things and, um, and just kind of progressed that way. Um, I'm going to, so now I'm going to jump a little further, a little quickly, or uh, years later. So Sue and I, she was married uh, to her first husband. I'd, I hadn't been married yet. Her and her first husband divorced. And this uh, was 1986 and, um, or 80, well, we got married in 88, excuse me. And so, um, 86. My goodness, she's going to slap me upside the head for that one. That's yeah, Southern 80, hospitality 86, I was talking yeah. about. Wow. <laughs> Sorry about that. 86, we got married. Um, and we raised our kids, you know, in the church. But there was always something with me that just wasn't quite right. Just I felt continuously like I was a... And I, and I use this analogy, a square peg trying to fit in this round hole. And of course, I internalized it because I didn't feel, I didn't measure up. Mm. I never felt like I was good enough. I never felt like I, uh, I'm not as good as Bishop so-and-so or, or President so-and-so or, or this person or that person, always comparing myself with someone else. And, uh, <clears throat> and now looking back, I wasn't good enough, but neither are they. Right. They just covered up better yeah. or don't internalize it or whatever. Their, their personality makeup uh, is such that, you know, they deal with it or they actually, some people I believe thrive with that kind of pressure. Mm. Uh, I didn't and, it, and, it, and I, I took it personally. And um, for me, Mormonism <coughs> didn't bless my life in that aspect. It, it, it diminished me. It, it um, man, it, it it put me in a place of hopelessness. Mm. It really did, um, and I and I just dealt with it because I thought it was me. Mm. I thought, well, the church is true. These things are true that I've been taught. You know, my most of my life are, are true, and so it's me. You know, I've got the problem. It's not the church, and 
And then, um, as years gone by, we had our oldest son serve a mission. Uh, our oldest daughter went to BYU, Idaho. Our youngest daughter went to BYU and graduated from BYU. Um, just doing the Mormon thing. And then in 2007, and uh, I, don't, I haven't really been open publicly about this, but I am tonight. In 2007, my brother committed suicide. And he was a brother that I was very close to, um, very close to, probably closer to him than any of my, uh, my siblings. Uh, we talked a lot, all the time. And we knew there was trouble. We knew there was, there was things going on. And I went to the temple, and I prayed, and I fasted. And the reality is, the worst possible thing that could happen as far as I was concerned, happened. You know, he took his own life. And Sean, that, that, that broke me. I'd never been, you know, I lost my father to cancer when I was 21. You know, and it was, it, it was hard, but this was different. This was something that just devastated me. I mean, literally put me in a place where I questioned everything. I questioned God. I questioned, of course, I questioned Mormonism <laughs> right off the bat. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I took about a six-month uh, research because at, th at this point I don't care I don't care I'm not hiding from anything anymore I'm not other than my wife <laughs> which you know I did this behind her back mm -hmm. because I didn't want to to be honest with you I didn't want to catch the heat mm -hmm. and I didn't want to you know so I just I, I call it deceit mm -hmm. I, it was deceitful I, I did all this research behind her back and realized and found out not in a spiritual sense, but in a secular sense, this church is not what it claims to be. Uh, there's too many historical discrepancies. There's too much that's going on here that's just not right. Um, so now, I've lost my brother. I've lost my faith because really, uh, and I liked how Bishop Earl last week talked about how your, your faith is really in the church. Yeah. I mean, they'll say, you know, it's Jesus, but it's really in the church. It's, your whole life has evolved around Mormonism, uh, you know, fulfilling callings, you know, doing what they expect you to do. So your faith is really in that. I mean, and I know they'll deny that or question or, you know, challenge that, but I, I really believe that's the truth. And so I've lost my faith. And then my wife finds out. We finally, it was, actually, I was going to church one uh, Sunday and I, I can't even remember what, what was said but I said something and she looked over at me and she goes well you sound like you don't believe in the church anymore and I it just I don't and th that just that opened up a whole um, uh, my I don't know how to describe it that that opened up a whole new hellhole uh, because that, that just devastated her, you know, because her, you know, she had a testimony of, of the gospel, Mormonism, 
She had a testimony of her celestial marriage to me, her celestial family. I mean, it was, that was her thing. And here I am, you know, destroying that in her mind, sure. you know, by, I don't believe it. I don't believe it anymore. Um, and I just want to say something real quick, you know, and just kind of divert a little bit. These people that attack you and this ministry, I just want to tell you, you should be ashamed of yourself. This, this ministry, I'm going to try not to get emotional, but this ministry has reached thousands of people. It reached me, and it kept me at least considering Jesus. Sean's ministry has reached thousands of people for Christ. And instead of stabbing this man in the back, if you don't agree with him, fine, you don't agree with him. But to try to destroy this ministry, destroy him personally, that's not Christian, friends. And you're, you're, you, that's not Christian actions on your part. And you really should reconsider that. I just, I just had to say that. Uh, Thanks, your, your ministry kept me afloat. It kept me because I'd see this wild, this wild man, you know, dressed crazy and, and, and saying, that's right, that's exactly it. That's the truth. And then stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. He's the truth. Don't let go of Jesus. And, and that kept me. And I, I couldn't wait to watch Heart of the Matter every week. You know, it's like, it was my, it, it was my anchor. I know we, Jesus is that, but it was, it was at that point what I was holding on to, you know, to, for desperate, for dear life, just to hold on to something I wanted to believe. I want to believe in God. I want to know the truth. And so, heart of the matter, I just, uh, to be a part of this ministry in any form or fashion, I am, it, it, I don't know what the right word is. I can only say I'm honored. I consider it a privilege to be a part of anything, anything that has to do. And I don't, uh, I love my name attached to it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And this ministry is a beautiful thing. So I'll just leave that at where it's at. But so anyway, I had a dear friend, a Pentecostal friend, <laughs> who knew and that I worked with, and uh, <clears throat> he would always, he knew that things were going bad. My marriage is about to, she, Sue's gonna leave me. I mean, because of not believing in Mormonism, you know? And um, he would keep inviting me to church. And uh, yeah, okay, well, maybe, maybe. Well, I guess it was just one night, and I believe God was in it. I absolutely believe it, I know he was. Um, I said, yeah, I'll go with you. And it was, a, it was an evangelist visiting. I, I wasn't expecting anything. Matter of fact, you know, I made fun of these people. I really did. I, I, I'd make fun of this tongue speaking and their, you know, mode of worship, everything. I just, you know, so much better than that, you know. You know, that's just not the right way. It's improper, you know. But I went. And, and really what I was just looking for was somebody to tell me, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay, and just give me some love, you know? Just give me a little love, because that's all I really wanted. And uh, didn't expect anything other than that. And when I walked in the door, the first, the first person that came to me was the 
pastor's wife and she just gave me this the biggest hug and just we are so glad you are here we've heard about your situation <laughs> you know she didn't hold back she wasn't trying to cover yeah. it up and we are praying we are believing for you Warren we're believing for your family and, and we're just so glad you're here you know and just a lot of people just came up and and, and just so that you know that kind of softened me up a little bit and but I still wasn't expecting anything and and, and I got to be honest with you Sean I can't tell you really what Bob Gully that was the evangelist at the time visiting I can't really tell you exactly what he was talked about other than Jesus <sighs> but towards the end uh, of the uh, service I, I don't know how to explain it something happened something and it wasn't just emotion there was there was something going on inside of me and it was it was like this rumbling it was like this uh, I don't know how to explain it it was just this God was he was touching me he he was I was having an encounter with the Lord God Almighty like I'd never had before and and he was you know he was on the other side of the room and he was saying something about Jesus and he he made eye contact with me and the minute he made eye contact with me he headed right towards me and when he did I just stood up I just I mean at that I wasn't thinking about it I just stood up you know he came up to me I can't even tell you what he said I have no idea what the man said to me he didn't push me he did, all he did was put his hand, and all I heard was Jesus. And before I knew it, and I know a lot of people dismiss this, but I've got to share it because it's, it's sure. my reality in, in the Lord. I was on the floor. I, I was on the floor, and, and this rush, this, this burden, this, this release of all of this. Um, for the first time in my life, I don't have to be worthy. Jesus is worthy and he came into my life because I said Lord I just can't save myself I need you and that's what was going on in my head I need God's grace I need God's love and that's what happened he changed me you had yours on the side of the road there's many that doesn't have such a physical out you know outward uh, experience like that sometimes it's very subtle I'm just sharing what happened to me because that's what God knew I needed that's what was for me at that moment and so my life has not been the same since <laughs> and, and I got to share this hope you don't mind Sue so I go <laughs> I'm like I am floating man I am like on cloud nine I don't even think I didn't feel like my feet were hitting the stairs when I was going up the stairs, you know, and I open up the bedroom door and she's laying on the bed, you know, and I go, baby. And she goes, <laughs> she looks at me and I, I mean, I, I can't ex give the expression, but it was, it was not a good expression. You look like a fool. I mean, she was livid. And I'm like, I mean, it, it shot, it just, man, because I just, I, I've had an encounter with Jesus. I'm yeah. saved. I'm, I'm grace. I, I know yeah. all this stuff, all this, it's gone. I've got this 
you look like a fool. And, and God bless her heart. I mean, you know. I got to interrupt. Go ahead. You knew Suzanne. You know why we're laughing. <laughs> because there's few people more exuberant for Jesus in this world than Suzanne. So this is funny that she was that way. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it, she was just livid. And, you know, and, and, and I just got to tell you, from that point on for the next year, it was just living hell. I mean, for both of us, really. I mean, I'm not just saying me. It was for her, too. And there was all-nighters. There was fussing and arguing and fight. You know, because I'm a new crit. I'm new in this whole thing. I have so much to learn about patience, <laughs> long-suffering, uh, her, too. Uh, uh, you know, loving people first instead of trying to convince them they're wrong. I mean, I had to learn a lot of things, and I had to learn it the hard way. And so, for about a year, it, it was just it was just hell. And I, I'm just kind of condensing. I mean, there was there's so many things in between this, but uh, so <clears throat> we get to a point where uh, we're we're done fighting. <laughs> she wants to stay with me. I love her, she loves me. She's decided, you know, I, I love him. And, 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 and one of the things, I gotta share this real quick. She went to the temple one time with her, her sister uh, during all this hell period. And she's in the celestial realm. And, and this, this sister that we knew in the stake that knew us and, and knew the situation comes up to her, you know, and Sue's crying and um, she comes, oh, oh, Suzanne, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. All is that. Are you going to divorce him? First thing out of her mouth, you know. That was, that was a godsend. I mean, that was God. I believe that with all my heart. That was God putting those words in that woman's mouth because that blew Sue away. I mean, because it was like, no. I'm not gonna, no. I'm not going to. It made her actually acknowledge, for the, I think for the first time, I don't want to leave him. I love him, you know? I don't want, that, no. And I think that got the ball rolling for her. It really did. And so we, we made a decision and it was mutual. <clears throat> we weren't gonna go, I was not gonna go to any church. You know, I, I, I had my mm -hmm. born again experience. I had my encounter with the Lord. And she decided, She's not going to go. We're just going to mend. We're going to focus on our relationship and, and try to mend whatever <laughs> bridges we've torn down or, you know, whatever, whatever's broken. We're going to try to mend it. And so we spent, that was in about 2009. Um, I'm going to interrupt quickly. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot. Can, will you be our guest next week to tell the wife's side Absolutely. of all this and how you were, what you were feeling like. Sure. So you can tell us about his devil faces. <laughs> all right. There was plenty. So She's got plenty to tell. All right, carry on. Okay, so for, for three and a half years, four years, from 2008 to 2012, we, were, we didn't go to church, we didn't do anything. And so it was an Easter Sunday in 2012 and Sue, uh, a couple of days before that, she said, you know, I've always gone to church on Easter Sunday, and I, I want to go to church. You know, and at this time, I had calmed, simmered down, you know, in my 
narrow-mindedness. And uh, I said, well, do you want to go to the Mormon church? You know, I'll go to the Mormon church if you want. No, 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 I don't want to go there. I just, I just want to go to church somewhere. And I said, well, you know, Lee keeps inviting me back, you know, my friend Lee. I said, now they're, pen- you know, they're holy rollers, you know, and, uh, but they're good people, you know, which sure. it's good music. It's, you know, we'll sit up in the balcony. We don't get down in the pit, you know. I call it the pit, you know, with the tongue speakers. And I said, we'll sit up in the, you know, in the balcony if you want to go. She said, I'd like to. I'd like to do that. And so I was kind of, I was still trying to, you know, not necessarily talk her out of it, but kind of let her know, you know, now these people get pretty crazy in their worship, you know, it's, they, they don't hold back, I just want you to know that, you know, because I'm thinking the whole time, we're going to be in there two minutes and she's going she's gonna to make a beeline for the door. Well, we get in there, we sit up in the, in the balcony, and within two minutes, it, I mean, it's, it's Jesus worship, it's, it's praise, it is deep deep prayer and you can tell it it ain't it is not show these people are are desperate they are loving on god it's all about jesus it's there's nothing but jesus two minutes into it she's crying the tears are pouring down her face um and the whole service she's crying um she um well so we leave we leave the service, you know, our, our, my friend Lee's wife came up and sat next to us and, you know, we said our goodbyes and we get in the car and I said, what'd you think, you know? She said, it was beautiful. She had nothing really, you know, other than that, it was, it was, it was beautiful. And they had announced that a <laughs> that evangelist was going to be coming the next, was it Thursday? Friday, the next Friday. So she said, I want to go to that. I went, okay, we, we can go, you know, if you want to go. And so we went, and, um, you know, I'm not going to fill in what, what attracted her to that, but to make a long story short, she, she had her encounter with Jesus that night. She realized it's all about this relation. It's about letting go. You can't save yourself. You can't do anything, really other than say, Lord God, forgive me. I'm a sinner, come into my life. And she did that, that night, and received the Lord Jesus Christ, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and our lives have not been the same since. And it's, uh, it's the most amazing thing, Sean, because you know, as a Mormon, we, you know, we think we know this is an all-consuming thing. I mean, it's like a moment doesn't go by, even in my worst moments. I, Jesus is still on the back. He's there in my mind. My life is about Jesus. Her life is about Jesus, even in our bad moments, which we have. You know, we're in the flesh. But it's, it's this relationship, and it's this, this love. I, I don't know how to explain it. And, and not feeling like it's just going through the motions. Um, it, it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ ebb and flow, life's bad times, life's good times, uh, me being a jerk when I can be a jerk, you know, it's, but Jesus is there. I'm confident of that. That blessed assurance, I'm saved. I want to tell the audience, uh, if you knew the puckets, this is not 
this is not hyperbole. This isn't rhetoric. This is real. You can have it too. Uh, you, if you're LDS, you can have it too. You can have it no matter what you are. And you can stay in what you are. Absolutely. Warren and I, you heard some of the liberality that Warren has. You know, he talked about he knows it was God who made, helped his, more, his family be Mormon. You know, and he, but it's all about Jesus here, and that's what they're about. You can have that too. Uh, if you want it. If you don't, it's okay. That's up to you. Yeah. But you can have it. And what he's talking about is the real deal. If you rub shoulders with them and see them, interact in their lives. I've traveled with them uh, hundreds of miles, actually. And they're about Jesus. So understand that that's Warren. And I, and I, do, um, I do bear witness of that. Praise God. All right. All right. So that's kind of a, in the nutshell. We have James on from Spanish Fork, but we're, James, hold on, because I've asked Warren to give us 10 points he wants to share. Yeah. And uh, let's go. Point one. All right. Point one. I'm going to have to put my glasses on. It's all right. I can't see. There's women out there who think that's sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. She told him. Oh, yeah. Sexy. Okay. These are just 10 principles that I just come up, you know, not necessarily in, in any order. Um, there's probably 10 more that probably are just as important to me. I just couldn't, didn't think of them at the time. Uh, but number one for me, a principle that I believe is, is knowing who Christ is. I mean, really, is, is understanding who he is. That, yes, he is the Son of God. He was the only begotten in the flesh. That he was the Savior and Redeemer of mankind. That he was the Word made flesh which means he was God in the flesh. Amen. And I think as a Mormon, sometimes that is a conflicting concept. Jesus is God. He is. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think that's a vital, I think sometimes Christians in general get mm -hmm. confused. Well, it's the heavenly father. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jesus is God. You can trust that. I, I believe that. There's. And I just want to share a few verses that kind of, you know, um, I don't want to say buttress my argument, but I'll just share the verses. John 1, 1, we all know it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, or the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 10, 30 tells us, I and my Father are one. And this is a real kicker for me, is Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, friends, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. John 20, 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, talking to Jesus, My Lord, my God. John 8, 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. So I believe that's a very important thing because a lot of people, you know, especially as LDS, you know, how do I pray? What, who do I believe? You know, who do I put first and foremost? You know, you've seen the Father, you've seen me. You worship me, you worship the Father. You worship the Father. You, don't be afraid of that. Amen. Jesus is God. So that's number, that was the first one. And, and this, I tie this one into it. Now, who are you in Christ? Mm. 
What does, what does it mean that you are in Christ? And, I, and of course, I got to share scripture because, okay. you know, anything else is just my opinion. Bring it. Who am I in Christ? I am God's child, Galatians 3, 26. For ye are the children of God by faith, friends, by faith in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> who, I, who am I in Christ? I am justified, Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, whereby we stand and rejoice in hope in the glory of God. And I could read a few more, but I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I just want to share those few scriptures. Uh, number, uh, number two principle. Three. Or yeah, number, well, yeah, okay. number two. I just kind of tied that other one into it. Uh, God is love. We have to understand that Jesus is love. And it is essential that one seeking him must understand that he loves them unconditionally. You know, I know in Mormonism, uh, what's his name, Nelson wrote a talk entitled, uh, you know, that God's love is not conditional. Yeah. It, nonsense. Yeah. God loves you and me no matter what. He doesn't necessarily love the things you do, but he loves you. His love is unconditional. He is constantly for you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you and I to have this relationship with him. We can never, it says, you can, his love, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, friends. Nothing can separate us. So God's love is unconditional. Three, you're saved by grace. You're saved by grace and the mercy of God through faith in Jesus Christ, not by the good works you perform or the commandments you are able to keep. You, friend, I, Sean, everybody else, Thomas Monson, you're saved by grace and nothing else. <clears throat> Number four, know there's a difference between religion, the practice of the law, and a relationship with Christ, which reveals, which reveals this relationship that we have with the Lord reveals the goodness of God in our lives, in our lives. So it's relationship, not the membership, uh, not your religious affiliation. Uh, and five to me is really, uh, this is something I, for me, it's very important. A life of faith does not always mean a life void of doubt. Christ understood this because in Mark 9, 17 through 27, we read the story of this man, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read this, that he had a son who had, he was sick, he was demonic, I guess, possessed, and he brought him to the disciples, and the disciples of Christ couldn't do anything for him. So he brought him to Jesus, and, and Jesus asked him, do you believe? Do you believe? And the man, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, yes, Lord, I believe, but strengthen my unbelief. Strengthen my unbelief. And I think we're all in that same boat, every one of us. You know, we have those moments of doubt. Don't let that steal what you have. Don't. Keep doing the walk of faith. Don't think that just because you have a doubt that somehow or another, well, I must not have faith in Christ. Of course you do. You wouldn't be where you're at. You wouldn't be seeking and, and desperately reaching out for the Lord. So a life of faith does not always mean a life void of doubt. Six, <clears throat> never forget. Never forget. And this is tough. We are called to suffer. And I believe we are called to take up our cross, friends. 
it, it's biblical, it's scriptural. And uh, these prosperity messages that we hear a lot of, messages that I heard in Mormonism of bless, all blessings are predicated upon obedience, seem to miss that mark. So I don't want to explain it any further, but if you study the word, if you get closer to, to God, you understand that. And, and we understand there's things involved in that, that suffering worketh patience. We're called to suffer, friends. But there's good news. <laughs> and it's number seven. We have Jesus' promise of peace. We have his peace. We have him in our lives by the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit helps us in these times where God is refining us with whatever it is that we're going through. We have the Lord. Uh, and then number eight, as a Christian, you are no longer under the law. That's, I've got to say it, you know. You're no longer under the law. Doesn't mean the law is not good. It just means you are not under it. You are, there is no condemnation in that. Um, number nine, like I said, these aren't in, in order of priority. The only commandment, friends, that you're under is to love God and to love people. Amen. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty clear on that. Yep. You know, love the Lord God with all thy heart, might, mind, and soul, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two things, hang all the law, all the prophets and the law, yep. or the law and the prophets. Uh, and then number 10, and this is really important, you, as a Christian, as a believer, you are forgiven. You, you don't beat yourself up so much. That's what religion kind of gives us a lot of, is this, this, this guilt, this sense of, I, I just got to do better, I got to do better, I got to do better, I got to, you know, instead of, trying to be better rely on God understanding that he has paid for your sins he suffered his blood is not good enough for you of course it is friends religion is not good enough for you it's not good enough for you, you it doesn't deserve you it Jesus wants you he wants you and you're forgiven so that's my 10 what a delight all Jesus with uh, Warren, and you can hear it, you can see it. I knew those those ten, and like he said, he probably do fifty. Yeah. But he's just giving you the stuff that is so great, all about the Lord. Get rid of the religion, just set yourself uh, free through Christ. And uh, so grateful for the message that you've given our audience tonight, my brother. We are going to. How much time do we have? Okay, we're going to take a, uh, a short spot break, and we'll come back to James and Spanish Fork, and uh, see you in a second. Thanks, God. Jesus was born, and his birth was celebrated. And he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And then his time had come. Revival. 
miracles, praise from the masses. But soon, those same masses turned and walked no more with him. And Jesus, in truth, suffered alone. He was mocked, denied, forsaken. He was killed on a cross like a criminal outside the city gates where the masses thrived. As sold out followers of him, how could we in our lives expect anything different? Thanks, Cassidy. We're going to go to James in Spanish Fork. James, you're on Heart of the Matter with Warren, Puckett, and Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi. Hi, um, I had a couple of questions or so I wanted to ask you. Yes. So um, it's in 1 Peter 3.21, and it, I was wondering um, why did it say that, uh, let's see, it says, um, even baptism also now, uh, does also now save us, not putting the way of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of the conscience toward God, the resurrection of Christ Jesus. So I thought it was faith and the finished work of Christ that saves us. So why does, does, this, does this verse say baptism? I'm just confused. Okay, so the way to understand that is what Peter is saying is, I'm going to paraphrase for Peter and then I'll prove it. He's saying, okay. he's saying listen, even baptism, which is the sign that we have had faith in Christ and been saved, does now save us. Because after that, he gives a parenthetical reference. And in that parenthetical reference, what does he say, James? In 22? No, no. Right after he says uh, where baptism does now save us, there's a parenthesis there. And what does he say in those parentheses? Not putting away the filth of the flesh. Okay, stop. A good conscience toward, toward God. Yeah. What he says there is, listen, baptism does now save us. Oh, don't get it wrong. Baptism doesn't put away the filth of our flesh. Baptism is just showing that we have a good conscience towards God. Do you get it? That's why he, um, ad that's why he adds that after he says where baptism does now save us. He gives a, a side note in there and he says, but don't get me wrong, baptism does not put away the filth of our flesh. Baptism is a sign of a good conscience towards God, meaning you've been saved prior to partaking in water baptism. Okay. I so, understand that. Okay. So why would he say baptism does also not save us? Why would he say that first? Sorry, I'm a little bit confused still. Well... He says it because, one, he is Peter, and he is, his calling was to the Jews. And he is speaking primarily to a Jewish audience of converts. To a Jew who, uh, who John the Baptist came to, the command was, repent and be baptized. 
And, and so for a Jew, that was definitely still the command. They believed in water baptism in front of their brothers and in brethren in Jesus' name was necessary for them. Not necessary for salvation. The Greek says they did it because they have been saved. But Peter was talking to a Jewish audience, and so he is linking the act of water baptism because they've been saved to being saved. It's not an easy one. You ask a good question, but the real answer is found in that parenthetical reference. The second thing to know, James, is Paul never, ever talks about baptism saving. In fact, he says, I'm glad I didn't even do them. It's because John the Baptist was baptizing Jews, the water ablution, which was a sign for them that they had repented and were taking on Jesus' name publicly. So you have to differentiate to who was Peter talking to, Jews, and who does Paul talk to, non-Jews, and how they give a different message uh, when they share. I see. So, um, so I understand with the Gentiles, um, Paul had a different message, and, and Peter a different one with the Jews. Yeah. Um, so baptism is just like a public testimony, correct? Like, I have accepted Christ, you know, I, I see my sin for what it is, correct? Yeah. And you have to, one more thing, and I'm sorry to beat this to death, you have to understand what that would mean at that time to the uh, members of the house of Israel in Jerusalem and roundabout. For a Jew to come out and say, Jesus Christ is my Savior, I am being baptized in his name, was as good as a death sentence. Your job, your family, the temple, your, just your lifestyle. You were going to go into poverty and starvation. And, and that is what God was requiring of those people. Prior to uh, Jerusalem being destroyed and them being saved, they went through hell. And so it wasn't just, wow, like we do baptisms and it's, hey, have a hot dog. To them, it was, you're going to become the hot dog and we're going to roast you. You get it? Yeah. Yeah. So what if a Jew... Um what if they didn't get baptized? Would God not save them? I don't think so, because baptism, as he says, isn't for the washing away of the filth of the flesh. It's to prove a good conscience toward God. The thief on the cross never received baptism. He was a Jew. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was just, uh -huh. yeah, it was just something they did, and we have to take it for what it's worth. Jesus did it to fulfill our righteousness to be able to show that John, uh, that he was the Messiah. It was a good ordinance for the Jews for them, but when Paul came along, it's, okay, not that much of a, of a big deal. I see. Okay. And um, could I ask another question? Sure. So um, I found a so-called Christian website the other night, and um, I was reading through it, and it said that you can't just believe. It said that you have to do, like, God's work and that, like, Salvation is not free, and he was comparing it to, like, Jericho, how God provided it, but the Israelites had to march around, and how, like, with the promised land, they had to go in and take down the giants, and, like, the guy on the website said you have to um, do, like, the good works. Like, he was com he was still saying, like, in Matthew and Luke, how people ask Jesus what they need to do for eternal life, and Jesus would say, you know, sell your possessions, and the guy went away sad because he couldn't do it. Yeah. And another guy said that you have to let the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. And Jesus said that he does well to do that. And I don't remember the exact verses, but he was saying to do those things. Yeah. So now I'm confused why Jesus says that you have to keep the law in those verses. And then later on, Paul says we're justified by faith. So I'm wondering why this guy would say that salvation is not a free gift and why Jesus said those things in Matthew and Luke. Okay. 
and and Warren touched on this, but let me just kind of tie, and then Warren, if you have something to add, please do. But uh, bottom line, James, when you read the New Testament and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's Jesus reaching to the house of Israel. And what he does with them is a very different message to them. And so he's telling them, this is what you have to do in your life if you want to get to heaven kind of without me. It's kind of what he's saying. The, the Beatitudes is all, all that way. And, 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 and that's why his apostles said, how can anyone do it? And, and Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. With men, it's not possible. But with God, all things are possible, meaning with him, by faith on him. But you see, the message Jesus gives to the Jews, if you read those and try to apply them to a Gentile life, you're going to miss why Paul was called, trained by Christ, and went out and taught the Gentile nation. It's a very different message. That's why Mormonism proliferates with good works, is because they take Jesus' words and they say, see, this is what he says. And so it puts everybody under the bondage of trying to perform good works for salvation. But let me ask you one more question and then I'll see if uh, Warren has anything to say. What is the commandment of God? Warren touched on it just a minute ago. What are his commandments? And what are the good works that someone does? And bottom line, it's to love. It is not to do works of tithes, Sabbath day, proper dress, uh, all this other stuff. It's to love. And that's a tough work. But those, that is the, how to do the works of God. Warren. I, I agree with what you said, brother. And, you know, they talk about raising the bar. I mean, Jesus raised the bar. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, with the guy he's talking about, you know, this guy came to the Lord and he's, you know, I've done all this. I've kept all these commandments. Look how good I am. What more do I need to do? My well, if you're perfect, yeah. you know, if you're perfect, sell everything you have. Yeah. You know, none of us can reach that bar that Jesus set. And he knew that. That's the point he was making. It wasn't necessarily proving the point to keep the law. Right. He's going, you can't keep the That's law. Right. That's why I'm here to do what I've done. Yeah. I am fulfilling the law for you. I will write the law in your hearts. I will live in you now. And outwardly, that will be manifested. Amen. Does that help you, James? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was speaking to the Jews of how to get to heaven without Christ. As Paul told us that we get to heaven through Christ, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And like Warren just pointed out, uh, the, the, like the, the story you mentioned, the guy comes and he says, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And Jesus says, okay, well, let me call your bluff. Now go sell everything. The guy wouldn't do it. So Jesus was able to prove to him that his heart was still set on riches and not fully on the kingdom of God, not on Christ. So that's what Jesus' role was with the Jews. Let me show you how far off the mark you are when you think that you're going to get there by yourself. Okay. All right. Keep watching, right. my brother. Appreciate your, appreciate your insight. All right. Thanks, James. Thanks, Sean. Okay, bye. So next week, a little change of schedule. Uh, next week, we're going to have uh, Suzanne Puckett. Warren's wife, she's going to give the other side to the story, but I've heard it too, and it's beautiful. And she, you know, she was an LDS seminary teacher when her husband was uh, finding Jesus. They went through some stuff, and it's going to be really intriguing. It's going to be a great show. And then the following week, we're going to have renowned, and literally renowned former LDS film director Richard Dutcher with us. 
and uh, he's going to talk about uh, his life, the faith, uh, maybe his art, and, and the Lord. Uh, Dutcher is, uh, he looks like Jesus, first of all, uh, especially since he's uh, gotten so fit and handsome. But he also has a very Jesus-like heart. If you've seen his films, you'll, you'll be able to see that he, he has a, a very keen, deep sensitivity to the things of God, and they come through his movies. So we look forward to uh, Richard in two weeks and Suzanne next week here on Heart of the Matter. Love you, brother. You too, brother. Thanks. Great show. I'm on a ride going nowhere. I am an existential cowboy on the wind. And I won't be coming out. I'm going in. This man's awake. A storm's arising. The dawn's waiting till a hundred monkeys know And I can feel the light-filled monkeys start 